Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from Clyde Hill Publishing, partner and publisher for founders, innovators, thinkers, and tinkerers. Clyde Hill works with non-traditional authors to help bring their ideas and lessons to life. To learn more about Clyde Hill's services and books, like their newest title, Facing Death, Finding Dignity, Hope, and Healing at the End, visit ClydeHillPublishing.com or Clyde Hill Pub on Twitter. Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. On Monday, we talked about what scares us, and one of the things that Tiffany mentioned was rats. Now, personally, I love rats. I've lived with two of them in my lifetime, and one of them was one of the most intelligent animals I have ever known. And I woke up this morning remembering that scientists have found that rats laugh when they're tickled, especially when they're tickled on their bellies. But the thing is, rats speak in a frequency that we can't hear. So sound recordists and scientists have had to record the rats at their frequency and then lower it so that we can hear it. Apparently, we hear sound waves of up to around 20 kilohertz, and rats laugh at about 50 kilohertz. Now, back in 2018, the New York Times played the sound of rat laughter as captured by a Brooklyn sound artist named Brian House. And I thought it would be fun for those of you who like rats or hate them but could be moved to think of them differently. I thought it might be fun to listen to what rat laughter sounds like. Here it is. When I first heard that, I thought it was just wonderful. A delight to think that, for instance, in a city like New York, in downtown Manhattan, at a frequency we can't hear, rats are chirping and laughing with each other. I'll put a link to that New York Times story, the one that included Brian's recording, in the show notes so that you can listen to more. Now, changing gears somewhat, one of my favorite things that has arisen during this pandemic is Ratbox Radio. It's a somewhat irreverent pirate radio station that's run by my friend Casey, who has excellent taste in music, and he fires up the station whenever he feels like it, (laughs) but uh, often on Tuesday evenings or on Fridays and sometimes Sunday morning. And of course, that's Pacific Coast time. I have spent many an evening since March trapped at home in my rat box, listening to him and the songs that people request and making my own requests from time to time. If you want to try to tune into Ratbox Radio, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. And this past Friday, Casey hosted a storytelling hour of the show, stories written and submitted by his listeners. And as a fan, of course, I sent one in and I thought I'd share with you what I sent. So here it is. Hello, Ratbox Radio listeners. I'm Katie from the Bittersweet Life podcast. I'm reading a story today, a story that's told in vignettes. It would be better if it was read by a man, but what can you do? (laughs) Um, 
This is a story that I wrote during the pandemic. It's called Franklin. We were trying to eat through the pantry. We had way too many lentils. Franklin wouldn't even try them. Not in soups, not in wraps. And that went for the wheat berries, too. Though, truthfully, neither of us liked those. Where did they even come from? I asked. But Franklin couldn't remember. There was a lot we couldn't remember in those days. What week it was, where the keys were, where we used to go, what we used to do when we weren't required to stay home together, always. I like it, Franklin said. The next day, I hate it. The next, I hate you. Well, I hate you too, Franklin, I often thought, even as I tucked him in with kisses. Franklin was in the bath again. Siri told me it was noon on a Tuesday. He should have been in school. Online school isn't school, Franklin said, pulling a washcloth over his privates. Is this about Jasmine, I asked. Maybe, he said. Come on, get out, I said. Why learn if she can't watch me do it, he said. Franklin, my eight-year-old lady killer. Not how life works, I said. Oh, and you know how life works, he said. Franklin was against a lot of things by week five of the quarantine. Lentils, school, bedtime, clothes. He appeared at the breakfast table in my favorite tie and nothing else. What? he said. You aren't using it. The next morning, I showed up to breakfast with one arm stuffed in his pajama bottoms and his sheets wrapped around me like a toga. What? I said. I thought you didn't believe in bedtime. Just call Jasmine's mom, he said. My grades are suffering. I didn't call Jasmine's mom. She called me. Franklin is pestering my daughter, she said. Pestering how? I said. He keeps texting, saying he needs her to watch him learn. He wants her to stare through some app during school hours. Is that something you would go for? I asked. Are you kidding me? She said. I could pay her, I said. I see where he gets it, she said. Franklin was in the bath again, sliding back and forth, making waves, slopping water all over the floor. Quit it or you're going to school, I told him, and he slid back into the water, making sure it covered his ears. He stayed in there for an hour. Through the door, I could hear him humming a song from his kindergarten play. He had been cast as the court jester. Left and right and up and down, I must find a way to steal the crown. After the show, Franklin had run through the park, picking dandelions and tying their fragile stems together, presenting his necklaces, flush-faced and proud. For my king and queen, he said, bowing low. We laughed so hard. How had it been three years? Franklin needed to go to school, so I found a picture of Jasmine on Facebook, posing with her family. I printed it out in black and white, glued it to a pizza box, then cut her free like a paper doll. She stood up nicely on Franklin's desk. He almost cried when he saw her. It's hard to miss someone, I said. He carefully laid Jasmine on her back and pulled out his markers. She always had the pinkest lips, he said. Franklin is in school. Siri says it's 11 on a Monday. Since the bath is open, I'm in it. Hairy legs folded up and still too long to be submerged. She tried to crawl in with me once. Make way, make way, she said, curling into a ball at the foot of the tub and pressing her ear into my stomach. It makes me worry when I listen to your insides, she said. Why? It makes me realize how fragile you are. How terrible that even the sweetest memories come to hurt.
The jasmine paper doll traveled all over the house. She attended breakfast, toothbrushings, cartoons, board games, bedtime stories. Sometimes Franklin propped her up on my desk while I worked. On loan, he said. But then one day she was gone. What happened, I asked. It started to feel sad, Franklin said. I was getting smarter, but she didn't really know I was. I know you are, I said. Franklin nodded, his little hand reaching over and taking mine. Dad, are we ever going to be free again, he said. I hope so, I said. That's it for this bittersweet moment. Happy Halloween, everyone. Please stay safe. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review. And please tell all your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife@mail.com, Or you can just find us at the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net. Or on all the social medias, just search for The Bittersweet Life. Thanks to Clyde Hill Publishing for supporting this program. Find inspiring and thought-provoking nonfiction with a focus on founders, innovators, thinkers, and tinkerers at ClydeHillPublishing.com or Clyde Hill Pub on Twitter.